Hi, it's Mark Bittman, and welcome to Food. As always, feel free to email us at food at markbittman.com. We would love to hear from you and will respond. If you have some squash sitting on your counter or you want to have squash sitting on your counter waiting to be cooked, head over to bitmanproject.com. Carrie and Holly met up in person, went to the farmer's market, got a ton of squash, and came up with seven recipes. That's at bitmanproject.com, where you can also subscribe to our thrice-weekly newsletter, The Bitman Project. Please subscribe, too, to this podcast and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Have you ever bought something, owned something that really inspired you to up your game? A tennis racket, a new pair of running shoes, a new piece of cooking equipment that made you just want to cook your brains out? I know that when I first started cooking on induction burners, I just couldn't stop. It was so much fun. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Some of the features that are available on this car include dynamic sky panorama glass roof, front row massaging seats, you know you want that, available 33-inch all-terrain tires, which you will want when you check out the multi-terrain select. These are really great features, the kind of features that will make you proud and happy to own a Lexus GX. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. One other thing before we get started. A little over a month ago, I had Jerusha Klemperer, director of Foodprint, on to talk about the podcast She Hosts What You're Eating, which is closely aligned with our podcast and with the Bitman Project. So, your Foodprint is the result of everything it takes to get food from the farm to your plate. And of course, many of these processes are invisible to consumers. And Foodprint, the site and its accompanying podcast, aims to do just that to make those processes more viable while keeping our sense of pleasure about food alive. The hope is with that visibility will come action. As I said, we are very closely aligned philosophically. We recently posted about an episode of What You're Eating that focused on PFAS, also called forever chemicals, because they last that long. They're in your raincoats, your straws, your medical devices, maybe even your water. And the latter is the focus of the episode we talked about. Many farms in Maine were found to have PFAS in their water, and it derailed their businesses to an existential level. Other recent episodes of What You're Eating have focused on the history and future of plant-based eating, now a term that sadly doesn't mean that much. 
food packaging, and single-use plastics, and how we can finally solve this ongoing problem, how our global agricultural system is the primary driver of species loss, and why, despite being the catalyst for major environmental and humanitarian issues, people continue to eat so much damn shrimp. Have a listen to one of these or any of the other episodes of What You're Eating and let us know what you think. I'll bet you find some new conversation topics for your next shrimp-free dinner party. And now, on to our wonderful guests. It's not often that you get to sit down with a cookbook author, in this case, Andrea Noyan, and her mom, Clara, for a conversation that ranges from Andrea's new plant-forward approach to Vietnamese cooking through the evolution of the cuisine in America over the last three decades to Clara Noyan's recollections of her family's early days in a new country. Plant-based cooking is a topic near and dear to my heart, literally, and Andrea reveals her similar journey in evergreen Vietnamese super-fresh recipes starring plants from land and sea. It's no surprise that poultry, beef, pork, and seafood became a bigger part of Andrea's childhood meals after the family fled Vietnam at the end of the war and settled in San Clemente, California. Until then, as Clara reports, vegetables were the most available and affordable ingredients. As it happens, Andrea, her siblings, and Carrie all attended San Clemente High School in the mid-70s and early 80s, and Carrie and Andrea connected more than a decade ago. Andrea and Clara also have a lively discussion about how their cooking for friends and family has changed over the years and how it stayed the same. Andrea's new book offers lots of vegan and less meat options, including sauces and seasonings, starters, soups, salads, mains, and of course, banh mi. Please join me and Carrie as we explore food and more with these extraordinary women. We're here to talk about your new book, Evergreen Vietnamese, which we love. But also, we thought it would be interesting to talk about you and your mom and your background and your influence on her influence on you and to some extent yours on her and so on. So we'll get into all that. But in the meantime, welcome and thank you for joining us. Thank you for reaching out and doing this. It's like the most creative podcast invitation that I've ever received. So, <laughs> Well, that's thanks to Carrie. <laughs> thank you. Well, it's because I have a connection, you know, to you and your place and San Clemente, and um, uh, and I'm so thrilled to meet your mom, Clara. You do have some history, also, right? Or almost sort of not quite intersecting history. Not quite intersecting. I um, we were just talking about that before you got on, actually. But we, I went to San Clemente High School, also, but at the same time that. Andrea and her family arrived in San Clemente. So maybe we can start with her talking a little bit about what that was like for her and her family. So, Mom, what was it like for you when we first came here to the United States, to Camp Pendleton? Do you remember, like, what that was like? Yes, we uh, left my uh, Saigon country, Vietnam, uh, on the day of 25th. Up, uh, up April 1975. And we reached to Guam the same day. And we stayed at Guam for one week. And then we moved to Camp Benton in California, nearby San Clemente for uh, exactly the day that my country lost. It's the 30th of um, April 1975. So after uh, 17 days in the camp, we got out to San Clemente and we, uh, find, we found a place to live in and we start to do whatever uh, we need to for the, the new life in the United States. So first of all, we have uh, the children to go to summer school. Because that is the, the, the time to start for summer school. And then uh, we um, settled down with um, myself, become the dressmaker. And we work on that way until 40 years later. So we, uh, I retired after that. And my children own five of them graduate in Shanklin High School. And all five of them went up to 
USC in Los Angeles. And uh, uh, after that, each one had the career by themselves. So we still live here the same town, same phone number. And then uh, the children uh, spread out, but they uh, can back to San Clemente every time they want to visit. We still have a home base here with my mom. And Carrie comes back to San Clemente too. And I remember many years after I had moved away, I had a cookbook that Carrie had edited. And I thought, you know, I, I just, it was one of, it was a terrific cookbook. And then I learned that she worked with you, Mark. And I was like, oh my gosh. And then she introduced herself as like being from San Clemente. So it was like all of these strange, you know, intersections. And she revealed that she went to high school the same times that my sisters did, even though their lives didn't directly intersect. I understand the home base. It's this trip, Andrea, are you, I saw your Instagram yesterday. You're there for the autumn moot, visiting your mom for the Autumn Moon Festival. Is that right? Or Yeah, no, it's um, the Autumn Moon Festival, the Mid-Autumn Festival, what we call Techum Tu, um, is a very important holiday for family reunions. It's sort of like our Thanksgiving. So we went Asian market grocery shopping in Little Saigon yesterday and uh, or the day before. And we took a look at a bunch of moon cakes. And of course, my mom had opinions. <laughs> <laughs> you make your own still? Uh, yes. So thank you for agreeing to see us in such a busy time. Maybe... It's a way to talk about what you're making. We want to talk a little bit about what you're making and how it's different being vegetable driven this year, I'm assuming, or more vegetables. Yeah, it, it is a lot more vegetable driven. We talk about it. And when I was writing Evergreen Vietnamese, I was going through um, some honestly midlife health crises. And I realized that I needed to double down and truly prioritize um, vegetables over animal. And I know that, Mark, you've done this for decades. On and off, let's say. <laughs> <laughs> On and off, you know, vegan before six, man. I mean, that was just like so, so smart. And um, I remember going to my mom and saying to her, look, you know, I feel so much better because I am eating more vegetables. And I remember her telling me about what it was like to cook in Vietnam before we left. And I realized that in returning to a more plant-based, plant-focused diet, that that was really like the root of Vietnamese cooking. So how much meat did you buy to feed uh, all of us? Uh, yes, usually uh, the main dish would be about 300 milligrams of 200 grams. Gram, gram. I talk about gram because over there we use a kilogram. We didn't use the pound like in the United States. So that is, and the other thing could be 100 grams to do such for the soup or for the stir fry. But 300 milligrams could be for the main dish like a small steak dish for the, the, the whole table use and about half of the chicken for um, family use for the whole chicken for inviting when you have guests. Friends. Wow. Yeah. And you have seven, you have seven people in your family. So half a chicken yes. for seven people? Something like three, four hundred grams for a whole family, a big family, actually. Yeah. And that's for those who don't know, that's less than a pound for seven people. I used to say the rest of the world doesn't need to learn how to eat like America. America needs to learn, learn to eat like the rest of the world. But of course, things have kind of gone in the undesirable, the more undesirable direction. Yeah. We plan our meals around the animal protein that, you know, we make that decision first. Whereas in Vietnam, my mom says like meat was just expensive, right? Yeah. And seafood, what was seafood? Is it easier? And cheaper to have. But you changed our diet. Yes. We ate more meat all of yes, a sudden. Yes, of course. It, it, it's basically, meat and egg is a very, very good price 
compare with other things. And we have uh, the fresh milk and we have uh, so many things, butter, butter, and sh- white sugar, yeah. white flour. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just all of a sudden the land of riches for us when we came here. And we and potato chips and soda. It was all like very mm-hmm. exciting and exotic. So you went from a place where, I mean, I've been to Vietnam, and of course it's not the same everywhere, and I don't mean to sound like I know it that well, but when I was there, the markets, everything was fresh every day. It was 90% vegetables. At the end of the day, there was nothing left. Whatever wasn't sold was given away or sent home or whatever. And then the next day, and there was no refrigeration. The next day, it started again. Tons of vegetables appearing, a little bit of some animals, but that's it. I don't remember seeing potato chips or butter or milk, maybe butter and milk, but not much. So it was a big change in what was available to you. Yeah, most definitely. But we we didn't have fish sauce back in 1975 so easily. Yes. Very, very uh, difficult to get that. And someone... But there were a lot of, of mice to go down to uh, down to sentimenti to give us some one button. It it was like a, a very very uh, means appreciating. We we got it, and we later on we find something more in the grocery of the, the Chinese grocery up to L.A. And actually later on, uh, just the 1977, we have uh, the first daughter came up to L.A.C. So we know uh, where to get to the Chinatown in Los Angeles. And from that, we we uh, can get something quicker in the grocery hatch. So we are very happy to become that whenever we come to visit my daughter who was uh, in, in the, the campus of USC in Los Angeles to do the visiting. And then we uh, went to get the more grocery we could. And that was like, you know, an hour and a half drive each time without any traffic up to get like groceries to make Vietnamese food. And so my parents are just, you know, like a lot of immigrants pack our car and and stock up for making Vietnamese food. And until now, how many refrigerators do you have? I am having two refrigerators and two <laughs> freezer. <laughs> Even I am living alone. <laughs> <laughs> so I cook uh, and whenever my children got home, I can pack some for them to take back home. I had an interesting thought when I was reading your, um, and the freezer ties into it. If you're feeding a family of seven and you have X number of vegetable dishes on the table and there's meat on the table and you're passing things, it's a very different way of eating than if you're cooking for two or four and you're trying like you did in your book, like we did in VB6, trying to integrate vegetables into the meat rather than cooking them separately. Lee, kind of. Can you explain a little bit about how you you made that change and how your mom felt about that, how Clara felt about that? Well, you know, for example, there are dishes um, that are inherently like vegetable driven, but in Vietnamese, we like put the emphasis on the meat part. It's very strange. Like just um, yesterday, I made these shrimp and sweet potato fritters called bánh tôm. And Everyone always talks about the shrimp, but really what you're eating those fritters for are for the, are for the crunchy sweet potato. And oftentimes, well, you know, in cooking, it's really hard to make the sweet potato crunchy when you fry it. And for many years, like my mom was pretty OG about it, old fashioned, and she would cut the, the sweet potato as like matchsticks or batons, um, skinny ones. And she recently like came up with this kind of twice fried, shallow fried, then deep fried method. And um, then that was good. I'm just saying it was good. Okay. <laughs> and, and then in evergreen Vietnamese, I came up with a different method where I'm shaving the sweet potato 
And I manipulate it to remove some of the starch and I create a batter that's lighter than I'm using like chunks of, of large shrimp in there um, versus the traditional version, which would be like smaller shell on shrimp, like the white shrimp. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to make these for you. See what you think. Um, it's the mid-autumn festival. And so I just kind of like put the it together. And my mom, you know, was like, okay, I'll like wash the herbs and the vegetables. And we made a lunch out of it. And that lunch, you know, for four people only use like six ounces of shrimp, but the rest was just all vegetables. And I think that in the past, that would have been like one, one course, you know, you would have like all of these other things, not just the shrimp, but then the shrimp would reappear in something else. And, you know, and it was just like now, you know, just like making that our meal and, and enjoying it with a lot more vegetables. That's one way of integrating that. In the past, my mom would have said like, no, we can't just make a meal of one dish. That has to be like something that is part of a multi-course meal. So in that sense, like she's become a lot more flexible. She's 89, but you also like my, my bantom, right? You like that she she conceded (laughs) that, that my version was pretty crunchy. And, um, but I told her I was inspired by her changing of methods from, from what she used to do, like say 20 years ago too, because, you know, Vietnamese food, we're always like trying something new to improve on older methods that were really tricky. And I think that, you know, you, it's important to know the old school method, the foundational methods, but then it's also important to be open, as my mom says, to accept things that she found in the United States. And similarly, to be open-minded about things that I would do in the kitchen. Andrea, does it feel like the sort of more vegetable, less meat thing is going back to a more traditional way? Or does it feel like it's going forward to a new a new way that adheres to some tradition. I mean, the flavors are, I'm sure, are similar or the same, but it doesn't really sound like you're taking old recipes and revivifying them. It sounds like you're moving things in a new direction. I'm trying to move things in a new direction, Mark, and thanks for asking that because so much of like what people think Vietnamese food is, is just all of this meat-centric beefy pho. And I remember, you know, presenting vegetarian pho to folks. And people are like, what? You can't have pho with vegetables. And I was like, there are there are Buddhist restaurants that serve um, vegetarian or vegan pho. But the problem is, is like, it's so driven by vital, you know, the seitan. And a lot of the food is deep fried. And for many years, my parents were Catholic. And for many years, my parents were like, no vegetarian food because it's like mostly fried, right, mom? Yes. To make everything pretend to be meat, so they they do by frying. Yeah, and there and that's not how I want to eat. I just want to like you know use tofu and um to manipulate it in ways that it's like just just as good as meat dishes. So and to use vegetables um in ways to build broths that are super umami and to show people you know like. It's not umami just as an animal protein. There's umami and not just mushrooms either. There's umami in like cabbage and the skin of um, a carrot. And my mom comes from a tradition where she used to peel everything, right? Yes. What? And it drove me crazy because, you know, there's like a lot of, of flavor in like the skin of a a carrot or, and also when you eat eggplant, most of the nutritional value is in the skin of the eggplant. And we the all, best part. the best part. And so part of this is just like also revisiting these recipes, but like taking them to a new way, to a new path so that people can enjoy them and, and nutritionally too. So there's a, um, there are certain dishes in evergreen Vietnamese, for example, this eggplant and um, turmeric dish that's like finished with a lot of shiso. And that's a dish that my mom made after my siblings left for college. And she and my dad were like eating like this really kind of like funny, you know, what I thought was funny, um, Spartan food. And yeah. Um, and so I 
took that dish and in a way I revivified it, Mark. But at the same time, I was like, this is a good dish that can be made vegan and vegetarian and it can be served with rice. It can be served over rice noodles if you want to. And I remember asking, telling my mom about it. And she was like, what dish is that? I don't remember it. But I made it for her and she was like, this is good. So, so I think that, that I am trying to redirect things because we all want to talk about eating vegetables and how healthy it is. But like, I think that we don't practice it enough. It's true that preparing vegetables takes a lot more time than preparing meat. You know, I mean, by the, even if you don't peel everything, it's still, you know, it, it's not as easy as just putting a piece of chicken in the skillet. You know, you have you have to do something to it and to make it flavorful, you have to sear it maybe or but I just feel like that's what's daunting sometimes. I mean, we that's what I feel like is the most daunting part. But um, so you have to kind of embrace that vegetable prep mentality somehow, which, you know, it's hard. But my mom, like she grew up right next door to a tofu shop Mm. in her town. That must have been nice. So she remembers yeah. I mean, she remembers going next door and getting like fresh soy milk. Mm. And, um, you know, like she said that, what is it? You said the soy milk cooks down? Yes. They uh, they uh, make the liquid and they put on the big pan and use uh, the long stick to stir around and around. And then uh, later on, they put it into the moon, which they wrap it and they squeeze it. And then uh, whenever the water came out already, they even opened it and they cut into the, the small block. Mm-hmm. That's uh, we just next door so we can come any time to have uh, something special from the, the procedure. They, they, they make it. But then what my mom talks about is there's like this leftover soy milk in the pan too, and it cooked down and it's like pure like soy protein. And then they deep fried that, right? So there's like, you know, this is all part of Vietnamese food traditions that are lost now, especially when people assume that you have to eat all of this alternative meats products in order to have meat in your um, diet and not miss it. And I think like tofu is like, you know, so important. And it's having that kind of conversation where things are much more um, natural um, and and not so processed. It's easy for us to buy processed foods as you, you know, Mark, you talk about this all the time in your policy discussions, but for people to just take the time to, to make good food and like a nice salad, you can have a kale salad, but you can also have a Viet version of a kale salad. Um, which I've made for my mom before. She doesn't like kale that much. She likes cooked vegetables more. But you know, she, she's like she's she was down with it with the kale salad and not having meat. And this is something that we battle over still because Vietnamese salads are composed of salads that typically have a lot of meat in them. But pulling back on the meat is totally like a new concept, and replacing it sometimes with tofu or vegetables but not in necessarily a traditional Vietnamese vegetarian way, which is involving a lot of frying. It's like, you can still have these salads. You can have them every day and they're easy and they're, and it doesn't need, I don't, I don't necessarily have to cook the way my mom cooks because she doesn't cook the way she cooked in 1975. Stay tuned for more from me, Carrie and Andrea and Clara. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We're all drinking more water these days, and we're all concerned that we're drinking safe, clean, unpolluted water. Yet, according to our friends at the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in the United States have harmful contaminants in their tap water. That's why it's worth checking out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. They remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and are specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, you know, those forever chemicals in your water supply. PFAS, by the way, is found in almost 45% of U.S. tap water. AquaTrue has water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. Their proprietary purification technology is independently tested to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAS, nitrates, and many, many others. The filters are affordable and long-lasting, and they do not need changing every two or three months like so many others. They last from six months to up to two years. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water, less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you won't be buying bottled water, and it'll save the environment from tons of single-use plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and makes a great gift. Today, listeners to Food with Mark Bittman receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to AquaTrue.com, that's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com, and enter code Bittman at checkout. For 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier, go to AquaTrue.com and use the promo code Bittman, B-I-T-T-M-A-N. Have you ever bought something, owned something that really inspired you to up your game? A tennis racket, a new pair of running shoes, a new piece of cooking equipment that made you just want to cook your brains out? I know that when I first started cooking on induction burners, I just couldn't stop. It was so much fun. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Some of the features that are available on this car include dynamic sky panorama glass roof, front row massaging seats, you know you want that, available 33-inch all-terrain tires, which you will want when you check out the multi-terrain select. These are really great features, the kind of features that will make you proud and happy to own a Lexus GX. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. A word from our friends at Made In. We are home and cooking a lot and grilling a lot. Still loving and using our Made In cookware, but really have started to take advantage of the Made In griddle top and using that carbon steel thing, not only inside on the stove, but outside on the grill. It is just amazing for anything. It's um, steel, so it's lighter than cast iron, but it is thick and, and heavy duty. It'll take 1200 degrees of heat, which is more than any of us are going to generate under normal circumstances. So it's just like for griddling a piece of fish. I mean, it's a plancha. So fish, but also fried eggs, breakfast stuff like pancakes. It's great with meat. I did some tofu on it. It was fantastic. It's a super large surface area, so like a restaurant cooking stove. And um, as I said, good for anything, but works on induction, works on gas, works on electric, works on open flames. 
Made in cookware, as you know, we have been talking about them for some time, is used by some of the world's top chefs and some of the world's top non-chefs like me. The company was born from a 100-year-old family business specializing in a high-end restaurant supply, and uh, they have great copperware, stainless, uh, non-stick, really beautiful stuff. And some of these specialty items like the wok and the griddle are among my favorites. So we have a special offer for listeners to Food with Mark Bittman, and that is 10% off of full-priced items. For full details, visit madeincookware.com slash, and our code is FMB, as in Food with Mark Bittman. That's madeincookware.com slash FMB for 10% off any full-priced items of Made in Cookware. Thank you very much. Can you talk maybe a little bit about some of the signature flavors? I love the first section of the book, you know, the different sauces and the vegan fish sauce. And, you know, how is there an MSG? Maybe we can talk a little bit about how the flavor, the Vietnamese flavors and flavor combinations help define the new cuisine. Like when I cook a kale salad, it's not going to be anything at all like your kale salad. Right. So you remember when I brought the vegan fish sauce to you. Yes. And you yes. tried it. Yes. What did you think? That's good. I think <laughs> I approve. You're not, but <laughs> you approve. <laughs> she said she approved. And this is like coming from, you know, she and my dad. I remember one time we went to a vegetarian, Chinese vegetarian restaurant. And what did dad say when he? Dad said that uh, we are paying real money to eat the, the phone's uh, food because yeah. they, they, they make everything from vegetable pretend as a meat or fish. So he said that. Yeah, he was like, we're paying, you know, real money for fake food. But it's this line. thing of, so what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he also said, if you're going to eat fish sauce, it's going to be fishy. You know, because it's fish sauce, so just accept it. But he, he said things like that about vegetables, and it's really, you know, it's because my parents are just like, just let the vegetables be vegetables, and that's what that's what I do too. I'm just like, let the vegetables shine, and and so, but you need some fish sauce, and so with the vegan fish sauce, I've been trying to figure this out for a number of years, and there are bottled vegan fish sauces coming out of Vietnam, but they tend to be uh, full of preservatives and they have a certain chemically taste to them. And then there is vegan fish sauce that is sold commercially here in the United States at regular markets like Whole Foods. And I try them and they were just like not very good at all. Like you couldn't use them one-to-one with regular fish sauce. And so I formulated my own using um, a little bit of reverse engineering, but also thinking about something from the sea that's vegetable-y that could make that piscine quality of fish sauce very true on the palate. And so I used seaweed, a combination of kombu and wakame. And then there was, and and there's salt in there, but there's a certain point where you need to kick it up because you only can put so much salt um, before crystallization happens. And so that's where I had to like go back to using MSG or some kind of flavor enhancer and putting all of that together with a little Marmite. It looks just like fish sauce and it can be used one-to-one with fish sauce. And it's like, I I really do think that it's one of the crowning glories of evergreen Vietnamese. We'll have to try that. We've made vegan fish sauce too, right, Carrie? Yeah, we did. Uh, are we use seaweed. This was back in the vegetarian book. Long, I think it might have been the first book Mark and I worked on, 2004. I'm going to try your version because I like the idea of the MS, you know, the umami, because that didn't quite capture. We did use seaweed, I think just kombu, and licorice, which added a little liquor. The licorice brought like that, just a little, not anise. I mean, obviously anise, but it just brought a little bit maybe a little bit of that umami flavor. But like my mom, you know, she grew up with with MSG from like the 1930s. Yes. Yeah, the MSG, MSG in Vietnam, we talk about that since the 1930s. And later on, I was a, 
born in 1935. So uh, we, I, I heard through my parents talking about the magic, magic. The things. Whenever one cook, they made it for the uh, um, governor or for the head. Or the, he hide on button of the MSG and just quietly put MSG into that. So since at a very young age, they are talking about that. Yes, it's, they knew about it, uh, but it was like a special thing. But it was only <laughs> invented, I mean, it was only synthesized, I guess, in the early 20th century. But it is, it, it's made from seaweed, right? Is it? I think it is. Yeah. Yes. Originally, it was the glutamic acid, you know, they were trying to um, emulate or replicate the glutamates from kombu. And it's a Japanese pro- origin? Yeah. Or yes. Japanese origin. Yeah. And but remember, there were all of these like there are rumors in Vietnam about MSG too because I remember even before we left Vietnam and I was so young because we I left when I was six. There were like all of these bizarre rumors about MSG. So so all of that stuff that was going on in the United States was also you know getting infiltrated into Vietnamese craziness about MSG scares as well. But you always kept using MSG through the years, right? Yes. <laughs> but not much. I just use it enough, which I think I have it too. Imagine if salt was just invented. <laughs> Imagine if you weren't cooking with salt and suddenly you're able to cook with salt. I think it would be pretty incredible. Like my mom said, it'd be like this magic thing yeah, that you magic. discover that you could just like add a little salt to your food and it like changes, you know, um, the flavor profile of things. So that pantry section, you know, which I title pantry secrets, because it's really like what, you know, I'm reaching for all the time to make this plant-based vegetable-driven food, say, Vietnamese. And honestly, you know, when we talk about healthful eating in the United States, we're always talking about the Mediterranean diet. And I think that for someone like me, I can't eat the Mediterranean diet forever and have it be sustainable and healthful for me. I want to like have make space for what comes naturally um, for my heritage, which is Vietnamese cooking. And so in this book, that's what I'm trying to do too, in a sneaky way of saying, hey, you know, make some room for Vietnamese food and healthful cooking. And we should also be looking at what appeals to us too, because to, to live healthily in a sustainable long-term manner, it can't be full of like a regimented diet, you guys. I mean, that's boring. What I would say to that is that every every single traditional diet is better than what the so the modern American diet is. So whatever you want to eat is obviously fine if you're if you're sticking closer to the origins of it than the modern version of it. If you're eating Vietnamese food as it was in Vietnam in 1975 instead of as it was in San Clemente in 1976. Right, right, exactly. I mean, things really changed once we came over here, and I had no idea that, I just knew that um, when we were growing up, like, there were certain days of the week when we had chicken. Yes. Right? Yes. And then what else did you have in your rotation? We have a pork, and and we divide, we we change the menu every Means we can make one pot and we can use uh, at least two days or two times for the meat. But she would always have chicken, pork, you know, um, beef and fish. And it would just always like rotate and it was all like very meat driven. Whereas now the way I cook is much more vegetable driven and the meat is very much on the side. So when I'm making food now, when I come to visit my mom, we have this like a lot more vegetables on the table than we do meat. You know, it's like returning to a time in the past, but also it seems very modern to me. And it's very strange, Mark, because, you know, circling back to that question that you asked earlier, but it's, it's rediscovering how people ate in the past, but making it sustainable and doable for modern times. Um, and I think that that we, we need to do that in a very cross-cultural manner because we all eat and we live and we cook intersectionally nowadays. doesn't matter, you know, what your background is. 
I think that we need to reach for these different ideas that allow us to enjoy what is America. It's not like the traditional American diet, though. It is much more colorful and flavorful. That's really well put. Andrea, anything else in the book that you're particularly proud of? Well, there's a couple of fun game changers that you can do with uh, rice paper that um, people often think of rice paper as an ingredient um, just for like the unfried rolls, the salad rolls, the gaikun. But in the book, there are these recipes for manipulating rice paper, for making fried rolls that are called jaza, but they're oven fried and they're very easy. You can also use rice paper as a shortcut to making these steamed rice noodle rolls called bankun. And they're a pain in the ass to make typically both of the dishes. But I was just like, I wanted this modern way of making those dishes, those foods that are favorites and classic, but make them like totally doable so that it doesn't become precious anymore. And I don't want those kinds of, of dishes to honestly, to be kept in like this little under some kind of cloche or something so that it just is so preserved so that people don't feel like they can enjoy them. I think that people can enjoy those dishes, the fried imperial rolls in their fried state. We still make them that way here at my mom's house, but in my house, I'm going to oven fry them. I'm going to keep them in my freezer. Then I can serve them and they're very healthful and they're delicious. They're a little lighter, a little leaner, but hey, you know, they're they're great. And But the steamed rice noodle rolls, the bankun, I remember making them for my mom and she was just flat out, I'm just going to change my method now <laughs> because this is so much easier. This is like years, decades of her like doing this old school skillet method one by one. And it was such a pain in the butt. And all my nieces and nephews like take advantage of her. They like expect tons of them every time they come here. And she's like, I'm tired. You know, I like this new method that you have. And um, it's just like really cool cooking. And this is like, I think my most creative cookbook that I've written. And it's just been really fun because it's taking some old ideas and then just taking them into modern, into the modern kitchen big time. Well, we loved it, obviously. And um, yeah. which is why I wanted to talk about it. But such a rare treat to be able to do that with Clara as well. So thank you for that. Thank you both for that. And now I guess we'll wrap with our last question. I, you guys have been cooking, you both have been cooking together, um, maybe preparing some things for the holidays and guests coming over and stuff. So uh, this could be interesting. We always ask everybody, what did you have for dinner last night? Strangely. <laughs> Pizza. <laughs> my mom's laughing because I made Mexican food for I made enchiladas <laughs> it's because she's had Mexican food only out at like some very bad restaurants at lunchtime we have bento which she talk about the new technique when she slashed the, the potato but in the evening, she watched Mexican food, <laughs> very good one. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so very much. Thank you really and for your time. Nice to meet you. Bye. Bye, Clara. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Andrea's char siu roasted cauliflower is a fantastic recipe but a little long for reading out loud. So we're going to post it on our website, bitmanproject.com. But in short, it's cauliflower roasted with hoisin, sesame oil, honey, ketchup, soy sauce, five spice powder, and garlic. And it is really so flavorful and so delicious. All of that caramelized sugar with the cauliflower, which as you know, probably is so great roasted. It's a real winner. So look for it on our website. Thank you to Andrea and Clara Noyan for an all-around feel-good conversation. It was great fun. Thank you to Carrie, of course, for joining me as well. You can follow Andrea on Instagram at andreanoyan88. That's A-N-D-R-E-A-N-G-U-Y-E-N-88. And Twitter at A-Q-Noyan. A-Q-N-G-U-Y-E-N. Thank you, of course, to our producer, Kate Bittman, and our engineer, Davis Lloyd. Thank you for listening and come back next week when we will have somebody awesome. Bye for now. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. 